Welcome to Inside the Bradfield Centre, where we tell the stories of the companies, partners and staff that make the Bradfield Centre community so special. I'm Jace Parton, Managing Director of the Bradfield Centre. Today's episode celebrates the fifth anniversary of the Bradfield Centre, where I take a look back at the origin and the development of the Bradfield with former Trinity College senior bursar, Rory Landman. So our fifth birthday celebrations present a fantastic opportunity to share the original concept of the Bradfield Centre and how it fits within the Cambridge tech ecosystem and, of course, reflect back on our first five years. And what a fantastic five years it's been. It's been fabulous to partner with Trinity College to deliver on their vision for the Bradfield Centre. And I want to take this opportunity to thank all the current and former team members, our partners, and, of course, all the startups that have called the Bradfield home over the years. So, uh, Rory, thanks so much for spending the time to come on to the podcast. Very much appreciated. And this is, uh, you know, a special episode marking the fifth year anniversary of the Bradfield Centre. So why don't we start with the uh, the original idea? You know, where did that come from and what was the inspiration for the, the Bradfield Centre? Uh, well, thank you, James, for, um, for having me on. Um, as with all uh, good ideas, I think the stars aligned with requirements from, from various sides. One catalyst was actually a speech that the master, Sir Gregory Winter, gave to alumni, and some came up to him at the end. This was in the autumn of 2013, saying that uh, you know, the college really should do something more about helping uh, small businesses based on technology uh, developed in Cambridge to grow and prosper. Two alumni came up to Sir Gregory at the end of the speech and said that the college really should do something about translating all the research that was being done into business opportunities and we should be, the college should be doing more to help support small businesses in Cambridge. And they pursued that with uh, correspondence and papers to Greg and myself. Uh, at the same time, the college uh, needed to build a new innovation centre because we were knocking one down on the science part to make way for a new development. And those two ideas came together. And at the same time, somebody from the cabinet office again approached the college saying, you know, was there something that could be done in Cambridge to help small businesses? And that happened in the middle of 2014. So, so clearly there were a number of things all coming together to uh, encourage the college to take development of an innovation centre very seriously. And uh, uh, there was this uh, cabinet office um, sort of call for ideas, and we uh, submitted a paper over a week, which we prepared over a weekend in, uh, in the middle of in June, I think it was, 2014. And then we had nothing at all until we were approached again in January of 2015 with more developed ideas from Bayes, as it turned out, the Department for Business Innovation and Skills. And um, they then became interested again in what we were planning. But in the meantime, we'd already developed plans for an innovation centre using this particular site. 
And it all came together in February 2015 when the Prime Minister was about to, David Cameron was about to visit Cambridge and we were able to work with Bayes to develop an announcement that the Bradfield Centre would be built. Clearly at that point it was a quite early stage. We had the concept and we had the site, but we didn't have the building and we didn't exactly know how it would work, although we had you know, the general idea of an innovation centre that been, been, we had been running for many years on various sites. But there were going to be some fairly special attributes of the Bradfield Centre which hadn't existed in previous innovation centres. And uh, that was the point at which we then went out to the wider Cambridge community to help formulate exactly what the Bradfield Centre would do. And we did develop clarity of thought about exactly how the Bradfield Centre would operate. Yeah, I think that's the really interesting part because, um, you know, for someone that hadn't been within the Cambridge ecosystem coming into it fresh, it was, I guess, surprising but quite enlightening that um, it was a very collaborative process with all the stakeholders in the city at that stage. I, I guess that's not unusual for Cambridge, but it, it may sound unusual for, for someone listening to the podcast that isn't based in Cambridge, just how close all of these organisations, you know, collaborate with each other. Indeed. I mean, so we started the consultation. We, we designed the, the outline of the building and got going with the building and we got financial support from uh, Bayes, who put up about a quarter of the funding or quarter of the initial funding that was required. But we then, in order to, to really work out how we were going to operate the, the centre, we went out on this consultation and we spoke to... Uh, private equity providers, we spoke to angels, we spoke to local business people, we spoke to academics. I think we had four round table discussions which involved 30 contributors. Um, and from that, we worked out you know, some do's and don'ts about the Bradfield Centre. And we also worked out that we weren't going to fix anything in stone. We were going to have a, a living document, you know, objectives which could change over time as and when you know, we got greater and better insights. And the document had a lot of square brackets in it, um, but I think that was a very good way of kicking off the um, the Bradfield Centre. Yeah, I'll, I'll come back and we'll, we'll talk about, you know, have we fulfilled the, that kind of, uh, those objectives or that vision uh, in, in a second. But why don't we just kind of touch on based on all of those conversations and the, you know, the original idea emanating from the college, uh, what, what, how would you describe the vision for the building, you know, both in terms of its physical design, but also, you know, its kind of ideology in terms of how it should operate? Uh, well, first of all, the actual objective of the uh, Bradfield Centre was to develop a pipeline of uh, Cambridge-based businesses with high growth potential. So that's really the, the ultimate uh, objective of it. But there were a number of secondary objectives. One of them was to provide a, a heart, as I would put it, to the science park. So uh, you know, a, a center for the uh, science park could congregate around. And that would allow us to attract and retain businesses on the science park uh, to retain scientific and entrepreneurial talent in Cambridge and also provide a focal point for um, entrepreneurial activity and inward investment. So those were the sort of, was the primary objective and those were the, 
secondary and support objectives. And in terms of the ethos, as you've already mentioned, Cambridge is a very uh, collaborative and, and supportive environment. It's, it's quite a small city uh, where most actors know each other at least one or two removes. Um, and so the idea of the building was that it would be a very collaborative and supportive environment for the uh, businesses that established themselves there, that um, the members who, who worked in the building would essentially have the run of a 40,000 square foot building. So even though they, they had their own space, they would uh, feel as though they were part of a much larger uh, enterprise. And there will be a culture of of excellence, of strong marketing, and, and essentially of under-promising and over-delivering. So those were the key cultural objectives that we had, uh, and these really came out of the collaborative discussions that we had with, with uh, all these various people. I think I'm right in saying that was quite innovative, I think, in terms of the existing startup spaces in Cambridge, because... You know, like many places, the existing places tend to be member only. And, you know, you have to have a either a membership of the university or membership of a company, etc., to, to gain entry to certain buildings around the city. So it seems like right from day one, the the, the thinking behind the Bradfield was to have a very open building and, and act as that kind of hub for not only the science part, but to support the wider tech community. So that that kind of openness and collaboration was built in right from day one. Indeed it was, and uh, we visited a number of other similar and slightly dissimilar operations, uh, particularly in London, to see how they worked and how they didn't work, and we hopefully we distilled the best of those and brought them back to back to Cambridge. Uh, initially, the you know an innovation centre is, I suppose, is all things to all people, and we wanted to be a bit more focused than that, so we decided we wanted especially to cater for scale-up businesses. We didn't want to compete with other centres in, in Cambridge because the, there are others. <laughs> um, yeah. And so we want to be complementary to spaces such as uh, St John's Innovation Centre and the and Idea Space. And we wanted to be flexible and evolve over time. And I think we saw without... Uh, that, that some centres could get fairly uh, static in there. And if it's just a property business, just, just an idea of renting out as much space as you could, then the membership uh, could be very static and we wanted it to be more dynamic and celebrate those companies that, that grew out of the Bradfield Centre and, and have a constant inflow of new blood into the centre. Return to the office with confidence. At the Bradfield Centre, we offer a range of flexible membership packages which put you in control of your office and homeworking mix. We have a range of high-quality meeting and collaboration spaces for hire, and for event organisers, our auditorium, lakeside pavilion and atrium spaces are all back to full capacity and dates are filling up fast. If you are looking to run an event, get in touch to discuss requirements including live video recording and live video streaming options, Visit BradfieldCentre.com for more information or call 01223 That leads on to a question about the physical design of the space. You, you touched there on you know, available space for companies. I think the Bradfield 
um, you know, a lot of visitors to the Bradfield comment on the amount of open space and collaboration space. So the building isn't trying to sweat every square foot available to maximize the yield on desk uh, rentals. It, it has been designed to be very collaborative. So again, I think, you know, obviously a very deliberate decision that you, you guys were working with the architects to achieve. Yes, and I think, uh, I hope, and I, I'm fairly sure that most people think that uh, Orchids, Orchid Swanky, who are the uh, architects, that they really achieved that, uh, that objective. And at, at quite an early stage, we found uh, an operator for the building. Uh, again, that was a, a decision that we took that the college may be many things, but it's not a, uh, you know, an operator of innovation or, and business centers. So we, we made an early decision. We bring, bring professionals in to, it's more than the building to run the whole, the whole operation. And that was, uh, central working had a you know, significant input into how the, building would be designed and fitted out and and how it'd be run yeah absolutely and, and i guess that's kind of where we enter the story you know so obviously originally we our team was part of central working and now uh, as people will know uh, that's transitioned to mantle uh, space so again you know along the lines of that very open collaborative approach from day one i think quite a refreshing decision in terms of you do see many innovation centers being run by you know uh, university staff around the country so i think clearly a brave decision to outsource the operation of that to an external company but i guess you felt like that was the right move to make sure that you brought in people with the right skill sets and experiences of, of supporting startups in in other roles absolutely so i mean one of the uh, skills that central working had is that you know, it's all very well providing uh, office space that's that's one thing but providing an environment where companies can be nurtured where there there's an, an element of mentoring and uh, and support and interest from others in the building about what you know what people are doing if they want that level of support and interest you know for example to a limited extent there is some external mentoring but we came i think pretty rapidly to the conclusion, certainly in terms of our objectives, that it's likely that peer-to-peer -peer mentoring within the centre would, would likely to be a very uh, sort of fruitful way of helping mutual assistance within the, within the centre. We wanted to create that supportive and collaborative community with peer-to-peer -peer support, and, uh, and you need specialists, you know, people who are very focused on that, rather than simply on providing office space and uh, you know making sure there's coffee every every morning it says there's much more to it than than that absolutely yeah yeah uh, that whole kind of community building is is a skill set and it's in its own right the provision of flexibility as well which sometimes clashes with uh, certainly short-term business objectives but the college with our encouragement our partners are in a position to take a, a longer term perspective than that so you know we're not looking to maximize short-term income but we are commercial in our approach so what we hope that will do is optimize long-term income but we're not looking for a, a short-term financial return but we we are clear-eyed about uh, long-term financial return but we think that 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 will come from a, a collaborative and flexible approach and certainly that's you know that's our marketing you know, that's how we present ourselves and that's one of the ways in which we have a, I think, a very strong competitive advantage. 
Absolutely, yeah. Um, so, so just jumping back then to some of the comments you made, you know, as you went through that roundtable process with various stakeholders around the city, you, know, you were talking about creating, you know, uh, creating a pipeline of high growth opportunity companies, being a hub at the heart of the science park, um, you know, attracting and retaining talent to Cambridge uh, and the science park. So, you know, I had the pleasure of working with you for the first four years, I think, of the five years of the Bradfield Centre. Um, how would you look back on those four years against those kind of criteria going into the opening of the centre? You know, do you think that that was achieved? What have been some of your highlights, some of your lowlights? You know, how would, how would you sum up those years? What I uh, particularly enjoy is that is literally the buzz as you go into the building. So there's a, a hive of activity. You can hear that humming. And so I think that alone is is a good achievement i think there's that that feeling of a sort of shared endeavor even though everybody's beavering away in, at their own activities but there is that sort of collaborative feeling when you go into the building and i think that's probably one of its key features the whole idea was that we would be enablers we wouldn't dictate and so things are no doubt have evolved away from our original concept but it was important to have a a framework to start with and then you could work off that for example you know, we thought about it but we didn't we decided deliberately not to create any technology clusters we thought that the best way if they were going to to happen was to allow them to evolve driven by demand by the market the fact is how the science park has itself has evolved over time is there are many different activities on the science park and each of those have been driven by market demand and haven't been uh, and have responded to market demand rather than being driven by any sort of uh, central planning so so we were we wanted to facilitate activity and uh, but not be sort of hands in as it were absolutely and I, and I think that you know that that stance has been very much appreciated in terms of operating the building on a day-to-day -day basis because it there's always that fine balance between, um, you know, making it commercially viable as well as delivering it, delivering on the vision and the mission of the building. And I think having that flexibility and freedom to take operational decisions has, uh, has really contributed to the success of the building. Another area which we thought about was um, having uh, biotech, uh, particularly wet labs in the building. It was uh, the top floor is designed potentially to have uh, wet labs but during our consultation and probably quite rapidly once we started to get into the nitty gritty, but you can see that, you know, we really did start off with a, a concept that you know, originally it could have been a mixed building, but we quite quickly came to the conclusion that uh, wet labs were completely impractical. Uh, it's a specialist activity and other places on the science park have, have developed to cater for that, that demand as part of that consultation it clarified the thought that we shouldn't have uh, wet labs in the um, in, in the bradfield center yeah as you say you know we've that's now been catered for very close by on the park so we have a number of companies that have their you know data scientists and software engineers at the bradfield but also higher lab space on on the park as well we also thought about whether we should subsidize or or provide below market rate accommodation in order to encourage people to come into the 
into the center. But we, again, we rapidly came to the conclusion that wasn't the right thing to do, that companies needed to stand on their own two feet. Uh, and also that we didn't want to be competitive in that way on price with, with others. We needed to be competitive on the environment that we provided and the services that we provided rather than, than on price where we would be in line with the market. Yeah, and I, and I think, again, that decision has paid back because it means that we have to be very tuned in to the local market as competitors change their offers, you know, as new providers move into the city. Because we're competing in a commercial market, you know, we, we have to adapt and innovate with our offer as well, you know, and we've seen that coming through the back of COVID. We've changed, you know, the kind of memberships that we offer to be more flexible uh, and, and other steps that we've taken to to adjust to those market conditions. So again, I think that's a, a really wise decision. There was one particular area which we, we um, may want to, to, to think about, which is what I would call financial support. Because again, uh, some thought about whether the, the college should uh, invest in the companies that that uh, came into the Bradfield Centre. And that's, we haven't sort of completely closed the door on that, but I'm, um, obviously, as you know, I'm not in the, in the loop anymore. But the, certainly the idea at the beginning was that we would enable venture capital, but we wouldn't provide it ourselves for a number of reasons. One, because it's a specialist activity, but secondly, we didn't want to create any sort of conflicts of interest uh, with our tenants or indeed with the uh, other providers of capital who wanted access to the, uh, to the companies that are in the, in the Bradfield Centre. So it felt like the right decision initially to stay out of that area, even though it might have been an obvious way to create investment opportunities for the college, but we didn't want to mix the, the two. So we've brought in, you know, partners like Cambridge Angels at the seed level, at the kind of Series A and beyond. We're working with IQ Capital, CIC, Amadeus, uh, uh, and, and others locally and also nationally. So, uh, you know, we, we certainly worked within those parameters, I think. And then finally, we have made some efforts to uh, reach out to, to the university, in particular to you know, entrepreneurial talent within the university, both with uh, summer studentships for students to come and work and get work experience with Bradfield Centre companies, but also with the uh, Bradfield Prize to attract teams with links to the university to come and compete for the prize, which would give the winners space in the Bradfield Centre. And I think that's helped promote both the Bradfield Centre, but also a sense of entrepreneurialism in the in the university, which is one of the objectives of the Bradfield Centre. Yeah, absolutely. I'd certainly put the prize up there as one of my personal highlights over the last five years. You know, I think we've, uh, well, we're very shortly going to be opening the 2022 edition of the prize, and we've had nearly 300 teams apply over its previous three editions. So it's it's uh, it's proved very popular. And as you say, you know, it's great to see those those early stage teams working on their ideas, working with the mentors that we arranged for them to uh, get coaching from and uh, benefiting from the cash prizes and the membership of the Bradfield. So, yeah, that's uh, that's been really satisfying to see that mature. Finally, I, I think one of the ingredients, we like to have our feet held to the fire. You know, we wanted to uh, make sure we didn't deviate from our original objectives and we set up an advisory committee for the Bradfield Centre, which has largely operated 
sort of behind the scenes, but it happened that three of our alumni were Cambridge Angels and they volunteered or we volunteered them to join the advisory committee and um, they've been very helpful in just taking the original objectives and making sure that we stuck to them or if we didn't, we had good reasons for not uh, not sticking to them. So, you know, we're very grateful to the advisory committee who helped make sure we stayed on the straight and narrow to the extent we could. That's been fantastic. And Rory, very much appreciate your time and, you know, reflecting back over those uh, those first four or so years of the Bradfield and, and the original idea going all the way back to, I think you said 2013, 2014, something like that. So uh, this has been a long time in the making. And uh, just wanted to thank you as well for making my job easy for the, for the time we worked together as well. It was a real pleasure working with you. Well, thank you, James. And that's very much reciprocated. Thank you again to Rory for coming on to the show. The show was produced by Carl Homer of Cambridge TV, and you can listen to previous episodes by searching for Inside the Bradfield Centre on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Amazon Music, or by visiting bradfieldcentre.com. If you have two spare seconds, please give us a five-star review, as it will really help other people discover the show. Listener.